Welcome to the Cannabis Data Science Meetup. Happy to have you here. Every week we try to meet, push the cannabis space forward at least a molecule at a time each week. That's what we try to do. We try to be ambitious and stay humble at the same time. What do we bring to the table? I think we've got a great group of data scientists here and there's tons of growers, there's retailers, there's labs, there's people filling every piece of the puzzle. And I was thinking that I think we can add an important piece to the table by simply wrangling the data, putting it in a usable format and calculating just simple statistics, nothing fancy. I'm pretty happy with the progress we've made and I'll show you today how each week I think we come up with novel insights. It's a meetup after all, so I want to kind of get people a bit more engaged in participating. So instead of me just rambling each week, I think I'm gonna go back to some of the old style meetups where it kind of, solicit some participation from the meetup members and also encourage people to to join and share their thoughts i know last week we had flow gardens come and share a pretty controversial take on thca flower and that's riling everybody up on linkedin at the moment but eh, that's fine and sometimes i think it's fun to to ruffle some feathers so if anyone does have any thoughts to share from last week about THCA flower, then that's awesome. Otherwise, I would love to hear maybe some of the latest and greatest news in the cannabis space. What's on your mind? What would you like to see moved forward? So I'll share with you today some really cool new fresh data and fresh statistics. So stay tuned for that. But before I do get to that, we've got a whole crew of new people today. So I would like to give everybody a chance to, to at least say wh what's on their mind. So if you're okay, Manuel, uh, you may be, be first. I may go out of order. So you've, you've kind of captured the camera. So if you want to introduce yourself and what you may want to get out of the group, you're welcome to. So Manuel, you're welcome to this to share. Hi everyone. Uh, I, uh, my name is uh, I'm not making me sit twice. Uh, what I want to get out of the group is, uh, well, I'm here because I wanted to learn a, a bit more about uh, data science. Um, I'm currently in the process of learning uh, learning machine learning um and uh this is at the university of washington um, um i have experience working as a network engineer with the uh, navy and also a little bit at the civilian side like with uh, microsoft and I guess, uh, generally speaking, I'm here to learn from, from each other. I absolutely love it. 
you've got a pretty good talent stack. So we'd love to have you collaborate any way you see fit. Um, so awesome having you, Manuel. And feel free to ask any questions or pipe up with your thoughts at any time. How about you, uh, Daniel? I'll uh, start just going down the, uh, the list now. But Daniel, welcome to the group. You don't have to be put on the spot if you don't want, but if you want to chime in, we'd love to hear, you know, your input. You know, what what's your ideas about what's happening in the cannabis space? Where do you see data science coming in handy or just anything at all? Okay. Hello, everyone. My name is Daniel. I am from Brazil, Sao Paulo. And I was searching for meetups in the meetup platform. And I got curious about the uh, cannabis, uh, cannabis stuff and, and the, the analytics, uh, data science as well. Because I'm a software engineer in Brazil and a programmer. And I, I'm Ooh. excited to, to learn more about the a market fit for cannabis and data science together. Well, Daniel, if you're okay with us picking your brain, I don't know if we've ever had anyone from Brazil before. I know it's a lovely country. We'd love to hear what's the quick status of cannabis in Brazil? Well, right now we are having some kind of silent uh, legalization here because we only uh, have uh, a way to buy cannabis uh, using uh, the the medical the medical way, the contacting doctors and have a prescription for for cannabis, so we can import cannabis products from United States mainly. So right now, cannabis is not uh, legalized here. But seems that we are going to to legalize it very soon. I I would love, love to see that. And so it sounds like you've got medical in Brazil. And that's really what started first here in the United States. So it was really California pushing things forward with medical cannabis. And then eventually a couple states, Washington and Colorado, just permitted it for adult use. So that was the biggest change back in 2012. And since then we've seen, you know, a handful of states permit it for adult use, a lot more permitted for medicinal. So we'd love to have you, you know, stay with the group and fill us in with the happenings in Brazil, because I keep saying that we're going to start turning our eye to other parts of the world, right? You can grow cannabis, well, pretty much everywhere, right? So we'd love to, to I don't know, pick your brain a bit more and then we'll focus a bit more on some international production or exports and imports. So that's some some juicy stuff that I know a couple people are interested in. So I'd love, love having you join the group. So at any point, feel free to chime in with your thoughts. Uh, I'm, I'm, Thank I'm, you. 
Who? Maple, please. I was going to add that um, I don't know if uh, said, I didn't, I, I didn't say it, but I'm from Seattle. And um, a few years ago, I remember uh, if you watched the Super Bowl between uh, um, the Broncos, Denver Broncos, and the Seahawks. And Denver uh, in Seattle was basically. In, I think they just uh, legalized uh, marijuana, so they call it the uh, the uh, canvas bowl or something. <laughs> That's pretty fitting. I didn't know about that one, so I yeah. love that. Both both, both uh, states um, were um, you know, um, but they just legalized marijuana, and so I thought it was pretty interesting. Yeah, I, th I think there's more to that. So I'm going to ch chew on that too. So maybe, I don't know, maybe there's some underlying causal factor there. So I'll, I'm going to be chewing on that one. So if anyone else wants to chime in, they can. How about you, Graham? Would love to hear about, I don't know, what are your latest thoughts about the cannabis space? You know, what's really, you know, caught your interest these days? And also, I uh, you know, long time no see. So I, I love I love seeing you here, Graham. So, uh, so. yeah. Um, so I'm a data scientist, cannabis user, and I just recently graduated from Cornell from their cannabis science master's program. Um, from the last time I've been here, what I'm really interested in is just the sheer access to information we have now and certific certificates of analysis that we have from multiple states to analyze. So I'm really excited to analyze these new COAs that the Jungle Boys put out. Perfect. I'm going to get these in your hands. I know I keep saying each week I'm going to get the code posted. I'm having a trouble with some large data sets, but you sparked my my resolve. So I'm going to get this done and get the data sets in your hands. And you're 100% right in that I think we're just sitting on pure gold. I mean, this is a lot of data. I've stressed before that laboratory testing's not cheap and it's not done that often and and it's not well um maybe in like some other industries but it's my main point is it's not every day that you get the chance to get all of this scientific data so i yeah your thoughts or oh um just one of the big revelations that like I'm really interested in in diving into these COAs was a recent scientific report about overinflation of THC percentages in like a number of legal states. Um so Anyone that is voluntarily um, 
giving information. I just, I'm looking at these CRNAs with renewed interest. I love it. The more people that look at them, the better. And that's actually one thing that we've stressed that, okay, we've, people have observed that there's this THC inflation going on and just spitballing through solutions. We just uh, said that like, Hey, you know, what if people could just look at the COAs? Maybe that simple thing would put the incentive in the right place because you know consumers they're not going to love it if they think you're trying to pull a fast one on them at the end of the day people want accurate information and one thing i love about florida is for whatever reason some of the retailers have seen it as a competitive advantage to start making their coas available and it's a unique state because it's the producers there are vertically integrated so uh from my understanding my understanding is not very good that uh there's going to be no disconnect between the producer and the retailer. So that's a a typical break in the chain and break in incentives where sometimes the retailer wants to display the COA, but the producer may have no interest in that, so on and so forth. And then it's curious too, because it's a medical state. I don't know if medical or not would provide any incentive for inflation or not. But I, or, I, I'm just kind of rambling. Would you, do you have a thought or comment? Well, I think the basic problem is when you can shop testing laboratories, you know? Um, but it's in the cannabis news now. So, you know, I think California put in some new um, testing regulations with labs and stuff. But I think people know what good cannabis is when they get their hands on it at the end of the day. So it's really up to you how much the inflation plays, I suppose, if you want to look at it that way. Good point. And it may just kind of move the benchmark where people just kind of adjust their expectations. So I'm going to be collecting my thoughts about this, but the main thought I have is I just love for you to have a look. So I've got this data set. In fact, I just put it together this morning. And so that's one of the cool things about the meetup is it seems like as soon as we get the data in our hands, we're analyzing it, sharing it, having it reviewed by others. So like I said, 
no matter what, the end of the day, this data set's going to be in your inbox. And it should be on GitHub too, so everybody can take a look. And basically, I just did summary statistics. I would encourage you to, to take a look. If you have COAs in other states, you could do state-by-state -state comparisons. And eventually, we'll start looking at some of the other producers in Florida. So for example, Pureleaf has published tons and tons of COAs. Um, so we'd like to look at them too, but the, the Jungle Boys was just recent. So that was just kind of timely and the smaller amount, more manageable. So it's just a beginning. So I'll be collecting my thoughts on this because there's a lot to say here. However, I'd love to kind of encourage some other people to get involved. So Justin, Justin Pickle, welcome to the group. You're welcome to you know, say what's on your mind, anything that you want added to the table, anything at all. So, or you can just listen, be a fly on the wall. It's 100% up to you. So Justin, you're welcome right. to chime in. Yeah. yeah, thanks, I appreciate it. I think I'll just uh, sit back and uh, listen for a little while. Well, welcome, welcome to the meetup, uh, to each their own. Uh, that's my philosophy is, as far as it comes to cannabis at least, so. Yeah, please, you know, join and if you have any thoughts, just put them out there. How about you, Phil? Welcome to the group. You're welcome to say maybe a, a word about yourself, your background if you want, or what you find interesting in the cannabis space, or how you think data science can help, just or anything at all. Hey, yeah. Um, so yeah, thanks for hosting this. I uh, I just kind of found it out of curiosity, uh, just looking up uh, meetups around. California, especially LA. Um, I have a, um, a, a master's in um, business intelligence, uh, and around that time, a few years ago, this was uh, prior to COVID. Um, yeah, I was just you know really uh, uh, kind of following along with like the, the marijuana, um, I guess like a growth, uh, and and like they were. It seems like you know with like uh, the uh, Aurora stocks and things like there was like a, a lot of hype um uh and so yeah it, i guess I'm, I'm just curious uh, uh as to how it's uh, evolved because i really have have not really looked uh taken a look at, at the industry or, or, the, or the market um but i do uh much since then but i do know that yeah definitely the percentages um have ha have gone up in terms of thc which is why i kind of had to you know uh stop for <laughs> uh, smoking uh, at least for a while, um, or in, in terms of quantity, uh, but um, that's to you know obviously an an individual choice, uh, personal choice. Uh, I was curious as to, I mean, obviously I I was uh, I was gonna ask, but I just uh, I was like, oh, you can just Google this, uh, what a, a COA is, COA is. Um, but yeah, I I guess I I, I uh, oh. would like to chime in uh, uh, in terms of like yeah, just like kind of business and. Um, industry uh once i know once i get a better handle of that so what was the was the curiosity of of, of coas uh due, due to uh to, to like like numbers being fudged fudged by by some uh some companies uh saying that they have higher percent percentages than they than they actually have i love i love this so this gives us a nice opportunity to just get everybody on the same page okay so we're we're interested in the cannabis space. And it's actually a new space. 
Um, I was talking with some investors who were entirely outside of the cannabis space, and they were just shocked at kind of how you've had just this whole industry crop up with just novel players, right? It's not every day that you just have new businesses of all different types starting. And one type of business that was a little hesitant to dip their toes into the cannabis space were the analytical laboratories. So a lot of people that work, and why do we need analytical laboratories? Well, they basically mandated that the products get tested for the active cannabinoids, so THC and CBD, because those are just uh, the historically controlled compounds. And then they started mandating things like, oh, you need a screen for pesticides, or, or if you're concentrating the products, you need a screen for residual solvents uh, because you use solvents to concentrate the products. So there's this need for testing. Well, a lot of chemists have They're ambitious. And some people view the cannabis industry as having this kind of stigma attached. And what I've seen is a lot of scientists, they, they basically don't want like, and not that it would per se, but they may view testing cannabis would sort of besmirch their reputation. And so a lot of the like what I would say, like established labs, did, uh, it didn't seem like they were jumping to get in. So you actually had a lot of startup laboratories, just, you know, uh, there'd be a chemist or, you know, a group of investors and they'd start a lab. So you've got tons of these new labs and they're all just kind of figuring out how to test cannabis and they're doing it in a pretty ad hoc manner. Well, that runs into this sticky situation where it's almost a story as old as the cannabis industry itself, where the consumer always wants to get the most for their buck, right? And the producer is always trying to get the most bucks. And so it kind of goes back to the days of the almost the black market right where maybe you'd get uh, a little bit less than you'd purchased right you kind of get shorted and in a way the thc inflation is kind of like shorting the consumer because you're basically saying there's you know say you're getting a gram um and they're saying okay there's 200 milligrams of thc in here but maybe the producer tells you there's 300 milligrams of THC. So, you know, you think you're getting a little bit more for your dollar. Um, so that's sort of the, the psychology behind it. Um, but it's really just the bigger numbers look good. So when a consumer goes to the store, they're trying to make a purchase. Something that says 32% THC is just going to sound better than 28% THC. And we've looked at the data and they do, 
products with higher THC concentrations do appear to sell at higher rates. So consumers want that. Thus, producers want the higher numbers. The labs are trying to keep the producers happy. And unfortunately, you know, you may have some startup labs or labs on the fringe. And they were just some, right? There's been countless examples in the news. Some have just been willing to bend the rules. And there has been a, there's been cases of just outright fraud, just outright reporting the wrong numbers. And then there's even been cases where people are just kind of having favorable testing methods. So maybe the testing method's valid, but it just yields like higher numbers than other methods. And I think that's what you really saw in California was maybe not outright fraud, but people were just kind of doing every little thing they could to just drive the number up. And it's just one of those things that it's just added another distortion to to the market. Um, so it right, it's there it's uh, like a whole nother game that producers have to play and retailers kind of get sucked into it too because consumers are already asking for the higher numbers so okay. hopefully that that kind of sums things up but why are we interested well the labs they actually issue basically a pdf just a document of the test results and historically people kept those private under lock and key right they didn't really want all their coas out because maybe they didn't have good faith in them maybe they kind of knew they they were bunk or for the pesticide testings you know maybe they don't want people seeing just a little detections here and there um so there's kind of a lot of reasons for people to keep the them private but we've just been hammering on and on and on about this and saying oh consumers you've got to ask for your certificates you've got to ask for them and i think we've almost hit the critical point or at least in some states like florida they definitely have where enough people have asked for them that the retailers have just said fine we're gonna give them to you um and in florida the the producers are basically the same people so now the producers had to recall have they had to recall like batches of products due to that it's happened but it it's not as common as you think um so there's been some recalls in california there may have been i don't know if there's recalls but there's been a lot of uh cases in michigan um there there was a big recall in missouri but it wasn't really testing related per se um that was just a case of like maybe it's like some like hemp uh cannabinoids coming in from out of state um 
that's actually something that we we could look at so this is an evolving story so one thing i've tried to do is just go through the news and just find all the the news articles about labs breaking the rules so to speak it yeah. is a uh, is um that like how how you get uh how how are you uh, uh or anybody on the team like uh, procuring this data as you're as you're talking about it, it seems like there's so much uh uh available out there or, or that you, at least you're kind of on a mission to c collect whatever data on cannabis that there is uh uh to analyze it um but but from what i'm hearing it seems like there's there's a lot of what would normally seem private public data related to cannabis is that am, am i reading that right to a certain extent i mean it's this sort of brand new industry so there are people in the medical space that argue that hey when you go and pick up your pharmaceuticals you don't get to see like a certificate then again most of them are like mono compounds right it's just going to be i don't know like uh, like 100 aspirin or what would have you um but uh cannabis is this botanical plant and there's a bunch of like minor compounds in there so that's where it starts to spark my interest because i'm just kind of under the philosophy you know if you're not measuring it you're not managing it and so this is just a rare opportunity where companies originally through regulation but now almost voluntarily so companies are voluntarily getting their terpenes tested but they're they're measuring what's in their products and i think that is basically i don't know if this is going to be the right terminology but sort of like our our like source of truth about like what's happening in the cannabis space so it's like we can't really rely on strain names um but right. you're ingesting these yeah. compounds so may as well pay attention to it mm -hmm. and you're right they these are highly private documents and there is actually very few that are public we actually have a lot that we've been collected. But if you actually do the math about all the tests that have occurred, like I wanna say in California alone, there could there may be historically more than 1 million um, tests that have been performed. So, you know, across the country, since cannabis has been uh, permitted, there's been millions of these tests. And we're collecting the coas whenever people make them public so we've got you know several thousand um and it basically gives us a like a snapshot of what's happening in the cannabis space so what i always like to say is i mean it's not a random sample what we're looking at so today we're going to look at 200 products from a producer in florida it's not a random sample but it's like we don't have any other 
measure of cannabis in Florida. So I just thought, I mean, it, it's an opportunity for us to, to learn a lot about the products. Um, and I, I even think the, the producers are kind of going to win a little bit too, because people have, like I said, been keeping these under lock and key, but it's always a cost benefit analysis. You know, you're not really getting any benefit by keeping them private. Uh, you may be avoiding uh, some some costs, but um, so not much benefit, not much cost to keeping them private. So what's the point of making them public? There's a, a nominal cost, right? They had to hire a developer to put them on their website. And so it's, you know, what's what's the benefit? And that's what we're trying to drive is the benefit, hopefully, is more consumers. So, right, if the consumers are looking for these, they're happy with them. Um, and ideally, it's a source of information, right? I mean, that's so I've studied economics, and this is where, um, you know, economists and marketers get into this. Uh, we kind of butt heads where, I mean, wouldn't you want the facts to sell your product themselves? So that's where, I mean, the, a really cool world would be where, you know, Jungle Boys just puts out a product. They put out their suite of products. The consumers just look at the certificates. They just see what's in them. So it's kind of like, you know, going to the, gro the grocery store. You just get to see what's in all the products and just pick, pick the one that works for you. Um, and the idea is, hey, Cure Leaf has all their COAs online. Um, and, you know, maybe the Jungle Boys puts theirs all online. And it's just let the best bud win. So, you know, so it's, I, I just think it's uh, just a, a real honest game to play rather than, you know, try to sell on strain name or, um brand alone so so that's the big idea i know it's sort of a, a grand idea but yeah no like get, getting back to the to the data it all leads to yeah just having the the results uh and the facts uh through the speaking yeah no i i uh i'm i'm uh my, my I guess background is also uh, from South America. I'm uh, a Chilean, uh, so yeah, it'd be interesting to see yeah how the whole economics uh, between you know the uh, countries and and the, and the opportunities that that can probably uh, um, that that are of, of, of available you know legal legal wise and and um, and economically. Um, uh, yeah, I think down there it's it's currently de uh, decriminalized. But not, yeah, it's definitely not legal. Yeah. And I'll actually show you some some figures here in a second to to actually show how this is actionable. And you're 100 percent right. And this goes back to, um, to 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 Daniel's point earlier about Brazil. In that, hey, cannabis has grown all over. And is there anything that could give various countries or regions advantages? And I bet there is. 
we've just dabbled at looking at uh, strains from uh, historical parts of the world, like uh, the South African Durban poison, even though I learned afterwards that that may have nothing to do with uh, South Africa. And then like the Colombian um, uh, and then the Thai. So, you know, various parts of the world are already known for their varieties. And there may be like actually like underlying like chemical reasons for that. So there could be like various uh, chemovars that are popular in different parts of the world. Um, so there could be some unique chemovars in Brazil or Chile that people are growing. And Americans due, may love due to the, or, due, to the, uh, due to the climate? We're, we're, try, we're, we're still trying to figure all this out. Um, so that's yeah. what's so cool about this is this is sort of an uh, an ongoing outstanding question. Yeah. Kind of gets to Graham's point where we're really just at the stage where we're just collecting and just barely beginning to look at the data. And I and so for example, today we'll look at a grower from Florida. And so what we can do is look at the climate of Florida. Then maybe we can get some results from California, which we do have. Look at the climate there. Um, once again, are they grown indoors or outdoors? Hard to say. But this this is the type of analysis that's beginning to become readily possible. No one's really done it before. And I think it's just a golden opportunity. So keep keep your ideas coming. And then I'm just gonna let uh, everyone else have a chance to speak up real quick. So Rodel, you're welcome to chime in. If you have any thoughts, any ideas you wanna put on the table, anything you think is important in the cannabis space that we haven't touched on yet. Hi, can you hear me? We can. Good oh, to meet you, Rodel. Yeah. Uh, yeah, nice to meet you, it's Rodel. Um, yeah, it's nice to meet you all. I am a, a grad student at UW, and uh, I guess I mainly consider myself a data analyst. And I've been thinking more about uh, learning more about the data science aspect of things. And so, uh, looking for I was looking for meetup groups on uh, and found this, and just trying trying to find different ways to. Uh, projects to work on and to become a better data analyst and tips and all these fun things that I can uh, grow to become a better data, better, better data, data scientist. So um, excited to hear more about this. And um, yeah, if you have any you're, at, you're at a good school and you've got some good opportunities ahead. I would love to get you helping out with some of these things because there's almost so much data that we, we don't even have time to look at it all. So I just like barely scraped the surface. It sounds like Graham's going to be looking at it later today. We'd love to get you looking at the data too. Um, because as I was just mentioning uh, to Phil, there's so many novel ways to look at the data and it may never even have been looked at yet. So it's basically just raw gold sitting there that nobody's picked up yet. And I've heard from people in the past that they're pretty fun data sets to work with because at least 
you know, we got this data set from Washington that is just so incredibly large. It is, ah, it is a joy to work with. Um, so that one's a, a complete joy. Um, some of the COA uh, data sets are actually really, really fun, but some of them are messy. And so this is a good, good opportunity for any data scientist. So I love having you join the group. Sounds good. Thank you. Nice to meet you all. Awesome, Rudol. Uh, sorry, Rudol. Shannon, welcome to the group. Ah, Not, thank you. Basically, we're just kind of doing a quick round of introductions, um, but it's a, a nice hearty discussion. We'd love to hear about maybe, you know, your background, what you bring to the table, what you're thinking about the cannabis space right now, how you see data science moving the space forward or anything at all. Oh, um, wow, that's, <laughs> I could talk <laughs> for days. Um, my background is um, originally as an environmental and drinking water chemist, and I was providing lab oversight in Oregon when, when adult use legalized, so I got to write a lot of those first lab oversight regs, and I got to audit all those first cannabis labs in Oregon to those regs. Um, so the pesticide lists that people are familiar with and the solvent lists and whatnot. Um, and since then, I've been uh, mostly working with labs, but a little bit on the processor side as well, like kind of helping them um, get better data from labs by, you know, asking for specific, like, um, specific QC for their project or, or specific tests that will help them become more GMP compliant. Um, you know, asking the lab to run, you know, carryover blanks, like things that you can ask of an ISO lab that our industry is not super educated on. Um, but I've also, I'm a huge data nerd and I'm part of the NCLC, which is turning into S3, um, like their data uh, consolidation efforts. They're getting a lot of the um, the data from Confident Cannabis and, and they're gonna do some analysis on that as well. Um, so I'm not really sure how that project is gonna be organized and I'm sorry I came in so late because this sounds like a fascinating group. Don't be sorry at all. You have the greatest skill set that could possibly have been added to the table. So thank you. This is, it, it's actually a treat getting to speak with you. Um, we were doing a quick history earlier about, oh, how did cannabis testing even come to be? You know, why, <laughs> is, it, why is it important? And you know, what do people care? Like, why do people care about it these days? Yeah, and you know, I don't know if this was covered, but um, when we were writing those first lists, um, especially in the pesticide area, we weren't allowed to consider toxicity. Um, we had to write that list based on FIFRA, which is the federal law that says if EPA has not set toxicity tolerances on a specific crop, that nothing is allowed above 10 ppb. And the ag lobby was like, hey, we have to do it. You guys have to do it. And unfortunately, 10 ppb just not was not analytically achievable. So the limits are also somewhat of a guess because at that point, we didn't have data to know how bad the matrix was going to make us kind of lose sensitivity. Um, so that 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 list that makes people feel so safe is it, we were actually forbidden to consider toxicity of any of those compounds. It, this kind of speaks to what we were Why? talking about. Yeah, that, yeah, that's a good question. So, because if we had considered toxic, like, because everything was illegal, 
um, all of them, regardless of toxicity. If we had considered toxicity, there would have been sort of this um, de facto approved list of things that weren't on there. And there would be more liability that that approved list may or may not be safe. And there's zero inhalation data. So they just kind of across the board. It was it was almost part of the coal memo for as strongly as we were mandated for that particular method. Could, could you speak to that real quick? So what do you mean by it was almost part of the, the coal memorandum? Well, um, when we were writing those regulations for adult use, the coal memo was, you know, basically the center of what the state, you know, was trying to meet and achieve just so they could escape federal sort of, you know, um, federal repercussions. And I guess what I mean is that um, almost every regulation we wrote was was focused on meeting one part of the coal memo. And the only other thing that um, the agencies kind of came down on us, the attorney general came down on us just as strictly was the FIFRA ag lobby pesticide thing. Did so. you actually refresh at least my memory and maybe some other people's in the group if they need it? So. The, what was the coal memorandum like? A, oh, the coal memo was like, "Hey guys, if if you states are going to legalize quote unquote cannabis, and you don't want the feds to come after you, you have to prioritize. You know, nothing to children, nothing that encourages other crime, nothing that's, um, you know, happening with other illegal drugs, nothing that crosses state lines, um, nothing that has to do with money laundering." There was like eight priorities that the feds asked the first states to prioritize, for lack of a better word. I'm sorry, I didn't expect to talk today. <laughs> it, it's okay, not to put you on the spot. It, it just, your background is just so relevant to what we were talking about. So this is- oh, Thank you for having me. Well, I'll let uh, some other people sp speak up, not to, to keep uh, put, putting you on the spot, but feel free to chime in at any time because, as I said, we'll be talking about lab results today, not pesticide results, but anything that you think is pertinent, feel free to chime in because I think this is going to be the classic case where you know more than I do. So well, if I say yeah. anything incorrect, you know, please correct me. No problem. I've also been ISO um, auditing the cannabis labs since I left Oregon in 2017, and I'm I'm pretty familiar with with the labs journey and and <clears throat> the most of the states and the shopping and and the different ways things are uh, uh, results are getting altered. So everything from stickers on bench sheets that show a price level of how much they paid for how much potency that they remove before audits and um, you know, just various code words during the audit. It, it's kind of ridiculous how sort of like childlike and, and kid fort it seems to be sometimes. It, it, it's just the the oddest twist of incentives. Um, and I don't think, you know, people have like elegantly thought of how to, to separate them because it's basically clearly there's um, a need and a demand for lab testing where the, you know, the states at least want a measure of, okay, how much THC and CBD is in the product. And like you said, let's screen them for pesticides. Um, but then just the... Uh, well, and I don't think that 
the point of sale testing list that we did was was the right approach. If I had had my druthers, I, I would have tried to put the cannabis industry right into a GMP model where each product has a different risk profile and they test according to that risk profile. That's how food does it. That's how pharma does it. You know, like we can't say we've captured all the risk just because we're doing these six tests. In fact, you know, it's almost like a false sense of security. You're right, because the the typical consumer doesn't think twice about it um, as far as uh, well, the pesticides and stuff are concerned. Um, well, or like I know a, um, a cancer survivor who um, gave herself solvent burns with a tincture she was using. And I know someone else who also had some kind of severe burn reaction from a topical. And so like, were we testing for the things that burned them? I'm not even sure. That wasn't really why the state was putting testing in place. Um, they were just trying to kind of cover their butts. Also, pause for the cause for the audience, but that actually gets that actually makes me think that I may actually walk back my last statement and I said, oh, consumers don't care. But I just realized that now that you brought up the aspect of the concentrates, what's the newest, like the the most, the, the, the all the the rage these days is the, the solventless extracts. So, we, you know, it could be that that's actually what the, the consumers are looking for. Well, that's um, like 90% of the time a misnomer, right? I mean, there's usually solvent used in at least one part of the process, if not in extraction, then in the winterization. If not in winterization, then possibly fixing the viscosity, like hash is mechanical. There's only a few mechanical true solventless extracts, right? Good points. Well, like I said, we're not actually looking at contaminants today, but in a second, we could actually—I may actually show you these these figures because we've actually got some data about concentrates. So that actually is nice the way that conversation went. Awesome! Um, I love numbers. <laughs> uh, so we'll we'll tie this all together here momentarily, just to give everybody a chance to speak up. We've got yeah. Vir Virgil. Oh, Vir actually, Phil, 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 Phil. Uh, just while you have the thought. A quick, quick, yeah, quick before Virgil, uh, uh, and I can already tell incredible domain knowledge, Shannon. Uh, which brings me, uh, I guess, to to, to ask, uh, like, what 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 the um, main, uh, I guess, like, what what is it that, that you're trying to do uh, uh, here uh, with this group, uh, and and. And if if uh, it is just like analyzing data for a certain purpose, um, uh, or is there like maybe like a, a list that we that, that, that uh, for people who haven't been you know active in, in the cannabis industry, uh, we we can like see that list in order to you know kind of go into our little rabbit holes of googling about the in industry and, and and what like um, deeper you know uh, level type of analysis uh, would be um, of interest uh to, to to try and you know find find results at, out of um even if it's just like a, a starting point you know is it, is it, it's like some, some document that we can that we can check out um so i i missed the very beginning of this because i was in a linkedin video where i couldn't hear you specifically um and i was in a waiting room it took me a little while to get to the the actual meat 
portion of it, but I, 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 I'm here because I saw cannabis data and analytics, and those are kind of like my nerd out things. Um, as I said, I'm, I'm part of a, a committee that is starting to um, analyze bigger data sets. And, um, you know, that, that racketeering case, that, uh, that racketeering um, uh, class action lawsuit um, is the first one, the one that came out this week to really name labs directly. Um, as part of the defendants. And so some of my background includes um, doing like what's called data set validation to make sure that data can be admissible into court. It's no use being defensible if it's not ad admissible. So I don't know what your group is actually like starting and trying to achieve, which is why I'd love to listen for the rest of the time. And I'm I'm happy to talk next time if, if you guys like. <laughs> Definitely, and I can, I share some of the material with you and my my quick uh, sense on that is because everything's so new there's not really a, a road map but at least I try to keep my ear to the ground and just kind of hear about what I call statistics that are in demand so oh. what are like, oh, oh. Um, like oh. Shannon you've got a thought well, no, I mean, I think it would be interesting to look at, you know, because HPLC and the way we uh, measure cannabinoids is so nonspecific when it comes to identity. And, and initially, we weren't really aware we were looking for things like Delta 8 and Delta 10. There was probably a lot of coalitions and, and you know, high biased Delta 9 results because there was, you know, peaks that were emerging. So I would want to look at kind of like as the derived cannabinoids came on and started to become part of the methods, you know, did the the neighboring peak cannabinoids like change at all? But, um, you know, I guess there is like a million questions that I would want to kind of look at statistically and maybe even, you know, uh, how the laboratories, you know, state to state, how their, their, their data looks compared to each other, you know, with the different regulation changes. But, you know, that is that is part of the problem, I think, is that it's such a huge world of data that we really don't have access to all of it. A lot of it is not um, very reliable data. And you have to define a question before you jump into a data set that big. And so, like, if you guys are here to define questions, I am here to take notes because I don't want to ask them all. <laughs> Phenomenal. Well, you bring up a couple of good points, Shannon, and then let's get into the data. Because basically what, what you mentioned is, okay, people are talking about variation between states and actually over time, right? So over time, or the methods changing or people adding new analytes. Does adding the new analytes say, does adding the, maybe people historically weren't testing Delta-8, does adding Delta-8 to your panel, does that change the THCA or, so, or the Delta-9 measurements? So these are... If you guys wanted to look at kind of one of the first people that looked at any cannabis data at all, um, Jim McRae, um, um, years ago got his hands on a huge Washington data set and Nevada data set. And he was really the first one to kind of show the trending of, you know, the, the, the cannabinoid numbers going, going up, but also like which labs weren't failing anyone in micro. Um, M-A-C-R-A-E 
Um, he's kind of like the first cannabis data legend, I think. Exactly. And that's how you can, that's where, that's actually a pretty clear example of data science or a data scientist doing data science um, and actually leading to like a tangible change in the world. So it seems that that led to, um, I mean, you may know better than I, Shannon, um, but, but it may have led to various testing regulation changes in Washington, but I don't know for certain. No, I think that Washington and Nevada both invited Jim in and asked for his input to change their regs after he published that. You're right, you're correct. And so that's, that's, an example and you know rudel maybe i'm sorry if i mispronounced your name again but it's okay rudel rudel you may be the the next data scientist that you know maybe no one's looked at this data yet or a segment of the data and maybe you come up with you know your own novel insider discovery like that that moves the space forward so so, so anywho, that's, that's why I think it's just so exciting that, you know, this is basically your opportunity to take some of these kind of obscure, but I think incredibly useful skills of wrangling, like so standardizing and analyzing data. You know, it's not a, necessarily an easy thing to do. It's just sort of a, an odd, um, profession, but I think it can lend an enormous amount of value. So, yeah, yeah, I'm here for it. I'm, I'm excited, and um, yeah, just yeah, I'm I'm interested and excited for whatever's to come. So, yeah. awesome. On that, let's go, let Virgil and Yasha speak, and then we'll probably just run a little long so that way we can look at the turp. Uh, not turp like we already looked at them. Uh, the Jungle Boys COA. So it'll be worth worth the while. So Virgil. Do you have any thoughts, comments, questions to add real quick before we jump into some of the, the data finally? <laughs> yeah, hi, uh, my name is Virgil and I'm a data scientist in the Bay Area with two years freelancing experience. So I guess I'm here to learn more in particular about uh, data analytics. So I'm interested in data and I'm interested in cannabis and we'd like to see what kind of things, what kind of actionable things we can derive in the intersection of these two. I love it. We'll do that momentarily. And as always, I think there's so much here that any good data scientist, if you j jump in, join the fun, look at the data, I bet you can find something interesting too. Happy to have you, Virgil. Thank you. Yasha. Last but definitely not least, you're welcome to say a quick word or anything that may be on your mind or anything we've missed that you want to put on the table. Hey guys, no, just here to listen, enjoying the conversation so far. Excited to see what you have to show. Awesome. Well, let's just go ahead and do this. So as I said, we'll run a little long, but I think it'll be worth it. Um, all right. So can you see the Jungle Boys report? Yes. Awesome. So this was 
almost Ruth's idea from last week. So last week we just put together a quick report of Flow Gardens, uh, a hemp producer in Tennessee. And the Jungle Boys are a producer in Florida. I think they're in other states too, but their site may just be for Florida at the moment. But I always like to give companies a shout out when they put their COAs online. Here, let's check out what's in Miami. So this is what medical patients can find in Miami. So we'll look at some of their flower. Um, so just, a, um, I thought I picked flower. Um, but so, you know, just classic menu, you can go shopping. And one of their selling features is right they they promote of course we talked about the, the thc numbers and you know they're talking about the taste and the genetics well as we mentioned people are more and more interested in terpenes so maybe consumers are actually shopping via terpene and i want to say oh yes you can just get the the entire certificate here and Basically, I've just downloaded each of these COAs just so we can get a nice understanding of the Jungle Boys products as a whole. And keep in mind, this is basically just a snapshot of their menu at the moment. So it's these various, you know, uh, flower products, pre-rolls vape pens and concentrates um, for those of you who are you know just learning about certificates this is a typical certificate of analysis it doesn't have the pesticide testing and heavy metal results attached um, we've discussed this in the past um, so ideally we would love to see the pesticide and microbial residual solvent results, so on and so forth. But our philosophy is we'll, we'll use what we're given. Um, so this was tested by a lab, Keisha Labs in Florida. We've written a custom algorithm that basically just collects the data off of this PDF. So I try to just get everything we can. So strain names, um, this is actually a derivative. So this is a concentrated product. Um, you see it's got 70% total THC. And then we try to get the terpene data too. So basically the idea is, I think people think that terpenes and cannabinoids are important and that's what we talked about at the beginning that hey if you're consuming something then probably the compounds you're consuming that's basically the source of any sort of like effects you may experience so i think the jury's still out about what all these compounds do but maybe that's 
what you could help uh, discover. So basically the first step I always say is just getting the data. So we just get all the data and then we can take a look at it. Um, and so, you know, my main question of the day is basically just, you know, what compounds are we even detecting in cannabis in Florida? Because we just looked at Flow Gardens, um, so it'll be a nice kind of comparison. So, so I'll just kind of run through the data that we actually got from this, and then if you think of anything worthwhile, um, just shout it out real quick, um, and then we can talk about it. But otherwise, these are just what we've put together as just the the basic summary statistics that we can more or less calculate given a cultivator's COAs. So. On their website, they have 232 COAs representing 114 strains. They're measuring 11 cannabinoids and they're measuring 37 terpenes. Just a quick breakdown. This is always interesting. Just the flower versus concentrate breakdown. And this is generally what we see in other states and it's just another data point that kind of backs this up in florida too where it looks like consumers generally like about 60 percent flour and about 40 percent everything else Not, nothing nothing too groundbreaking yet this is not necessarily the most insightful chart ever unless you're jungle boys and then it may be super insightful but this is just a list of all the strains and this is a new not a new measure but it's a metric that i'm trying to get adopted by people in the cannabis space where you can actually measure the diversity of cannabinoids and the diversity of terpenes using Shannon's diversity index. If anyone thinks of or finds a better measure of diversity, just let me know. Um, we'd love to, to calculate it. But I think this is interesting um, because it's, I think the jury's actually still out on if consumers actually like a, di like a diverse amount of terpenes in their products. So you may like think maybe naively at first that maybe they would love you know the, the just a huge terpene diversity but it could also be the case that it may be i don't know a little overpowering so it's i think the that's still the jury's still out on that one do consumers like more diverse or less diverse terpenes or cannabinoids i don't know but it's a metric I like to calculate. So, um, but, ooh, thought, comment, question? Was there a thought, comment, or question? Okay. So, I may uh, have to check back on the comments uh, at, at the end. But, 
just to go ahead and just move through this fairly quickly, um, one thing you note is it looks like maybe there are some concentrates. Well, you know, there's definitely some concentrates that score higher on cannabinoid diversity and terpene diversity. And it's probably just because they have more in you know, more higher concentrations. So maybe not super surprising there. Here is the first table that I think starts to have interesting statistics. And so here I just calculated the average concentration by various compounds and looked at the difference between flour and concentrates. As we were talking about last week, the delta 9 THC, once again, how you interpret the, the laws, I'm not even going to get into that again, but at least Flow Gardens was aiming to try to get less than 0.3% delta 9 THC. Um, and in other states, I think we were observing low amounts of delta 9 THC. Curiously, the Jungle Boys average is around uh, 0.5% in flour. So that's, you know, higher than I would have expected, but that's interesting. And then, uh, of course, you know, when you start concentrating them, a lot of the times you decarboxylate the THCA. And so we're seeing a lot more delta-9 in concentrates. So, not, not, you know, nothing too, too shocking there. Um, the only other kind of thing that I was starting to notice was it looks like certain compounds get concentrated down better than others. Um, so, for example, the CBDA and CBD, maybe those aren't getting concentrated down, or it could just be small amounts. But um, the CBN is also a pretty small amount. Um, so, I, I don't know what to, to think, think about there. But... Um, but basically, what I'm beginning to think about is the 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 act of concentrating your products may or may not preserve all the compounds equally, which kind of makes sense. And it really makes sense once you get to to the terpene realm. Um, and so what it looks like it, so the only thing that like, really really jumps out at me here and maybe it's just not obvious um, if i should notice anything else is the d-limonene for one reason or the other is just much much higher in the concentrated products so uh, shannon or another good chemist maybe maybe you could look at i don't know the boiling point of some of these compounds and maybe see if that has any sort of explanatory power in why they're getting concentrated at higher rates. Did you mention what kind of extracts these were? Good question. CO2 or butane or? I unfortunately haven't yet dis uh, disentangled this because basically on the COA, which is what I'm going by, there 
all labeled as derivatives. It's either flower or derivative. I will eventually be able to distinguish between, say, vape pens and concentrates at the very minimum. Let's look real quick. Um, yes, unfortunately, and so this, so unfortunately, all I have right now is uh, just, I'm just lumping things like this live rosin in with this jam. But this is something that we've talked about in the past where you almost need subtypes. So it's like we've got a product type, flower or concentrate, but we almost need subtypes for the concentrates. So we could almost use the these these like subtypes in these product names. So kind of say, oh, this one's a live rosin. Um, so so that's that's work to be coming. So I may get to that, or if anyone else wants to beat me to it, obviously that will be much more meaningful than than just looking at the derivatives. Excellent point there, Shinman. Just to kind of race through these statistics, and once again, this is just just a quick, quick and dirty report. Basically, just this morning collected these results, then just uh, created these charts. So this is basically just a quick look, um, and then maybe if you get any ideas, you can pursue those further. This is kind of building. Ooh, thought, I, think, I think you need to consider that um, depending on like the, because Florida is vertically integrated, um, depending on, you know, their operational processes, they might be using several different strains to produce one type of extract, regardless of what they name it. Um, and so the D-limonene could be because they actually just use several strains that were high in D-limonene, or it could be that it concentrates more. You know, it's really hard to, to tell until you know um, when you mentioned some matrices like that, that is definitely going to play a part in, in how it all interacts, but it's also not common knowledge that sometimes they'll mix a lot of different, you know, B grades or, or shake or, you know, um, whatever they used to call it in the, in the medical market. Um, it, it, they won't just take all of the same strain to make a concentrate most of the time. And that's a super interesting point and actually gets to another point in that in this almost ties into what you were talking about um, early about uh, kind of data set validation maybe in a tangential manner in that if we can see basically the the ratios of these terpenes in flower um so maybe you uh, can observe say the ratio of the terpene in the flower and what if you look at it in the concentrate? You know, is there some uh, difference? So, and then why would there be that difference? Are they like mixing a bunch, bunch of different strains? Or are they kind of using a lower quality flour? And, and then also another thing that we'd observe is 
uh, at least I think we were looking at Massachusetts and it looked like a lot of the concentrates, maybe, maybe I think with some of the producers, maybe around half, uh, don't quote me on that. We had the statistics, so go look it up and quote that. Um, but I want to say around half of the concentrates were actually having terpenes added. So a lot of times I think people add terpenes to say the vape pens. And, and so are we seeing large amounts of D-limonene because it's getting concentrated down? Or, I mean, it's not impossible that some of the products are having like limonene added to them. Um, but it's actually quite common. Exactly. And I have no idea. And so this is something that, you know, a good data scientist could poke around at and maybe try to, um, you know, put, put, uh, calculate the statistics. Um, so just to, to keep uh, hammering on these statistics and then uh, once again, pause if you have any good ideas. This isn't too, too meaningful yet. But it's definitely different than what we observed with Flow Gardens. Once again, uh, we'll have to look at that old report. But I want to say maybe, I forget what their their highest, um, what their most common dominant terpene was. But for the Jungle Boys, it's clearly D-limonene. They grow and concentrate a lot of D-limonene heavy products. Um, and I don't know what the, the average is across the board. And once again, it's a non-random sample. So this may not real be very representative of you know, cannabis as a whole. But especially after reading the, that paper on uh, the phytochemical diversity of cannabis, these are statistics that I had basically pulled out of, of that paper that I think are interesting. And it, you know, this could be something that producers may want to look at. You know, look at your inventory and see, okay, what are the, the dominant terpenes of my products? And, you know, it could be that the Jungle Boys, they, maybe they're really delimiting heavy because it's selling. Or it could be an accident. You know, maybe they're uh, these alpha terpenoline strains. Maybe they're either not very popular in the market, and so they're not producing very many of them. Or maybe they're undersupplying them. You know, maybe there is a demand out there for this type of strain, and they're just completely missing it. I don't know. Kind of changing gears a little bit. This is just the average cannabinoids in the concentrates versus flower. Nothing jumping out at me too, too much in this chart. Um, and then here, once again, th these are more just depictions of that table from earlier. Um, so once again, you're seeing, a, like you would expect, higher concentrations in the concentrates but it's not it's not like a, a uniform amount um, okay this isn't the best figure but I wanted to include it in there anyways because it is an pretty it's a pretty important ratio 
which is just the ratio of THCA to delta 9 THC. And so as we saw in flower, there's not a lot of delta 9 THC. And I guess what's interesting here is, right, the, maybe the range where maybe you've got, I don't know, 18% or so is the minimum going up to, I don't know, like 30, 38%. And that's starting to kind of get on the, maybe not that high, but it looks like above 35%. And that's starting to get onto the high range. Um, and so that kind of gets to maybe Graham's point from earlier. Um, you know, are these THCA values inflated a little bit? I don't know. Um, and then, of course, you see the the high concentrations uh, in the concentrates, um, and with some the THCA decarboxylating more than others. So, I don't love that that figure, but I think it's important. Here's where we're starting to actually get to. Not yet, but we're going to quickly get to, I think, some of the first like meaningful takeaways. Um, this first one is kind of logical. Um, so it's kind of almost speaks for itself, where the in the in these highly concentrated products, it's almost just math, right? Um, you're getting to the point here where, a large percentage of the product is accounted for. So, you know, about 90% of the, the substance is are cannabinoids. And then, you know, anywhere from 2 to almost 12% of the substance are terpenes. So you're really kind of bumping up close to you know 100% of the compounds in these products are accounted for and so at that stage it's basically you know the more terpenes that you have in the product the fewer cannabinoids can fit in there um, so you kind of have this slight negative slope here um, so and um, and then in flower, you've got a slope of uh, 1.25. So the cannabinoids increase slightly faster than terpenes do. So I don't know. I thought that one was just beginning to get interesting. Um, once again, I plotted some of these uh, without them necessarily having much of uh, interpretation. So THCA to CBGA, I don't really have much to say about this one. Um, I don't have too, too much to say about this total CBG to total CBD either, but this is a, just a common ratio to, to look at, so I, I plotted it. Um, not, not too much to say there, so I'll go ahead and get to the terpenes because I think this is actually kind of interesting and it piggybacks on 
prior observations and right that's what the scientific process is all about kind of you know repeating um you know other people's um, experiments so people have looked at the relationship between alpha humulene and beta caryophylline once again we talked about this last week and i want to say that these two compounds kind of originate from a simi similar process in the plant. So that's why they have a kind of a consistent ratio. And ask a chemist, but maybe they have similar boiling points because look at this. The trend is they are actually statistically different, but they are mightily similar where the concentrates clearly have higher concentrations of these two compounds but they actually maintain the same linear pattern where you have about what one percent alpha humulene to about three percent or about about one to three ratio there so that's that's super interesting and then this kind of got me thinking that maybe this is where we can kind of start to disentangle maybe what terpenes kind of get concentrated down better than others so so basically what i did was just basically run a regression through each of these and then i just tested to see if they have a statistically different slope so for example these two have the same slope or um, they don't have a statistically different slope. So, so here's another one, the camphene and the D-lemonene. Um, the terpinaline doesn't seem to be getting concentrated down too, too much. Once again, Jungle Boys wasn't growing a whole lot of, oh, Morgan's joining us. Um, the Jungle Boys weren't growing a whole lot of terpinaline dominant strains, so that could explain this. Here is another example of sort of this, this ratio kind of continuing from flower to concentrate. Also, welcome to the group, Morgan. Thrilled to have you here. You're kind of joining us right at the tail end. So we're just kind of running through this report on the Jungle Boys COAs real quick. But if you have any thoughts, comments, questions, just put them out there. So once again, I just think it's interesting to see this ratio being maintained between flower and concentrate. And once again, these are ratios that were mentioned in the, the paper, the phytochemical diversity of cannabis. So that's sort of the current I don't know. Like that's sort of the the latest and greatest as far as you know, cannabinoids and terpenes go. Um, unless you have a, a more recent, more interesting paper that you should point me in the direction of. So once again, so alpha pinene to D lemonene, beta caryophylline to D lemonene. No statistically different slope there. And then this was the first one that I think kind of has, I don't know, once 
they that once again you throw enough data at it you're going to get statistical difference so these two slopes are statistically different and they're visually a little different too maybe maybe not maybe i'm reading too much into it but what this kind of looks like to me uh, i figure i know i'm probably going to misinterpret it but doesn't it look like the alpha pinene is getting concentrated down at a higher rate than the beta mercy? Um, I don't know if I'm interpreting that correctly, but I don't I don't know. Uh, just kind of something to to think about. Um, so you know the the concentrated products you know may actually have a different terpene profile than the non-concentrated products so that, that that's my main main point here um, and of course they have higher concentrations of the the compounds and then the final the final chart which was more for fun once again out of the paper they suggests that you can kind of do this PCA clustering by dominant terpene. And I just labeled all of the strains that that weren't um, D-limonene heavy. So it seems right, there's tons of the D-limonene ones. And I was just kind of curious, you know, which strains, you know, do they have that are, you know, the, the alpha terpenylene dominant or beta mercine dominant. Um, I think those are the, the two I I labeled there. So so I don't know. Um, if you're you know a Jungle Boys consumer, you know maybe you want to try something new. You know maybe instead of just getting one of the delimiting strains, you could actually hunt out you know one of these one of these strains that may be actually quite different. So I think this is kind of how you know statistics I think could help consumers. Once again, we're I think we're still really really in the early stages of this, where even kind of data scientists like ourselves, it's not always trivial wrangling these COAs and calculating the statistics. But we always, or at least I always like to think of ourselves as pioneers. And so, you know, it may kind of seem quiet on the frontier when you're exploring some of these aspects, but it's hard to even foresee just the, the masses that will come and really enjoy this frontier. So is this pertinent or is this not? I don't know. I think the, the, the jury's still out, but this is a quick look at the products that are on Jungle Boy's shelf. So as I mentioned, um, this was a quick look at 232 products that Jungle Boy's was nice enough to list on their website. So hopefully you found some sort of nugget in there. So I'm going to stop presenting real quick. And 
while I read your your comments here, I know we went way, way, way over time, but does anybody have any thoughts, comments, questions? I don't know if there were any like real concrete insights that can be taken away from that. Um, I don't know. Um, so does anybody have any thoughts, comments, questions? You know, What do you think after seeing a snapshot of the Jungle Boys COAs? Uh, I, I guess the one thing that I so it's, uh, I, I still feel like uh, I am kind of um, uh, wondering what we want to answer. You know? like, uh, I mean, with the last chart uh, that you plotted, yeah, it, it it made sense to kind of look look at that from a, a consumer's point of view. Uh, I mean, that could turn into you know finding something that uh, related to like a recommender system, you know, uh, for the website uh, or the store that the consumer is 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 going to uh, to uh, to get their their products from, and, and then just you know go from there. Like I mean, there are plenty of things that you can you know do mar marketing with, but. Yeah, but, but but you know, then again, like uh, Shen, was, uh, I think was talking more more so, uh, um, like testing and, and stuff. So, so yeah, I mean, I like I guess the, I'm 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 trying to look, uh, gauge right, so, of where the interest is. Yeah, all right, know? I'll share my my meta thing with you. So great, we're scientists here. So as Shannon pointed out, right, you have to have the hypothesis before you even begin. So why am I collecting this data? Well, as as Graham and other people have pointed out, partially is just to kind of keep an eye on the THC inflation. Um, and we're doing it in California as well. And it's you just have to start somewhere. And we just started today. So it's just, okay, they put their COAs online. We took a look at them. Well, the idea is, Let's come back next month and look at them again. So next month, are Jungle Boys testing higher or lower? You know, what about the month after that? So we can basically just keep observing them over time. And honestly, there could be a few things going on. As, as you kind of mentioned out, the, the cannabis may actually be getting stronger over time. So they actually may be getting better and better over time. That's always a possibility. And I mean, that's how the cannabis got to these high THC concentrations as we know it. So there will be some of that. And also the labs may be changing their methods. So there could be inflation or deflation based on how the labs are performing. So that's the the biggest question that's on people's mind so that's why i was keeping track of it for california and trying to keep track of it in florida too but i i just i feel like there's bound to be something else that we could learn from the data so you're you're right unfortunately today i kind of just did a lot of data mining i guess you may call it where i just calculated a bunch of statistics ad hoc, didn't really have a hypothesis. So wasn't really the best demonstration of science today. So 
I'll just be upfront about that. But I like that Shannon stressed once again that we really need to start with the hypothesis. And I like that that's the way you're thinking too, Phil. But I think that's really the opportunity for us. It's, it's okay. We've got this data set. These are the data points that we know we have access to. So what are some of the interesting questions that we could potentially ask? And so over this next week, you know, keep your ears open. Think about what people are talking about, whether it's on LinkedIn or in the real world, whether you go to the dispensary or you know any cultivators or like Shannon, you're working with anybody in the lab space. Just kind of keep your ear open and people will say what statistics they really, really want to know. They just don't frame them like as statistics, right? They don't say, I, I really want to know what the trend is in total THC. They'll just make noise about, oh, there's THC inflation. Well, that's a statistic that we can measure and that's where we can add value. And then Rudal, you're welcome to chime in. I just had a question for Shannon. I was looking at the messages and she mentioned something about the S3 and possibly like and joining and stuff like that. I was wondering if she can say more about how to join or if we're interested in checking that out. Yes, let me see if I can get the link copied before you guys um, end. But if you just um, Google S3 Collective, I found it pretty fast. Um, I also put a cannabinoid breakdown um, uh, picture up there because we used to think that THC broke down to CBN and now we know that's not true. So if we were looking at trends, we might want to look at how these compounds degrade. Um, so let me just search that. If you Google S3 Collective, it should come up pretty easily. And all the information should actually be there. It's a pretty new committee. Um, and they did just change organizations, but, and there's an interview process, but if you're genuine and truly interested in, in working with cannabis data, I think um, they're pretty accepting. Sounds good, thank you. I, I love it. And then this is essentially an open invitation for everybody that, hey, if you ever have any good projects like, like this S3 Collective, or you're doing cool work that you think people should know about, you have anything you want to share and this is i'm trying to make it a pretty open platform for everybody in the cannabis space that's doing research so if you want to ever come and present you have anything you want to share you're always welcome and then two quick notes um right two quick research questions and then i'll let you get out of here morgan mentioned that oh people are interested in the stability of these strains so once again we can say look at the jungle boys zach's pie and look at that one over time and see how well they're doing there okay hi baby i know we're almost done and then if you ever have any data on my name about it, right? indoor or outdoor you can awesome. you can discuss that too so Sorry. Please be thinking of some real cool ideas for next week. And if you want to, to get up and present any of your research, you're always welcome to. Otherwise, I'll have some material just to, to keep, keep things interesting.
and hey i don't do this enough but if you do want to to contribute to the group then check out open collective um look at a canlytics company so eventually it'll be at canlytics.com forward slash donate but any little contribution goes a really long way and we'd love to keep making the meetup better each week so if you you want to contribute you're always welcome to if you want to contribute through github then the code will be there the data will be there so you're welcome to get your hands on the data repeat any of the analyses you're welcome to take anything and use it in your own work however you however you see fit thank you thank you i would like to actually give you all a huge thank you so everybody graham morgan phil rodol shannon virgil yasha and everyone else who came earlier such as daniel thank you all for helping advance cannabis science it's really your attention your interest your eyes and your ears that's moving everything forward your thoughts your comments your questions your hypotheses so definitely keep them coming i always think that even if we can just help even only a molecule at a time i think the cannabis space really benefits from it so thank you all